0: we
1: This is Bruce. This is John.
2: This is Blix. And this is Trav. Welcome to the Tri Tac Games podcast, your podcast of getting to that border crossing, think it's all nice and clear, and then somebody wants you to walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> this uh, week, we are following up on our last one about Portals 4, and we are finally going to give the long and short of the Coptics. And uh and we have Trav who's basically been the primary designer behind them as to walk us through that
0: You have joined the most secret government agency that you have never heard of. The 13th Bureau of Justice, otherwise known as Bureau 13. You are a government agent charged with the duty of disposing of the greatest unnatural threats to the people and the economy of the United States and Canada. You will work under the knowledge that you are funded by an organization so secret even the highest government officials do not know of your existence. Welcome to the elite band of people who wander the dark streets of the night, ever searching for the horrors that should not exist in this modern age. You are a special agent stalking the Night Fantastic. Vero 13 is a Gen Con award-winning RPG of modern horror and paranormal adventure. It's available from Tritag Games at tritaggames.com in both the original editions and in the D20 edition, with a new Savage Worlds edition coming soon. Remember that wherever the supernatural waits, good and evil, the agents of Hero 13 will be there. But the evil is growing.
3: Three years ago, when Rich started Portals 4, he had me do historical re. He wanted me involved with it because he knew I used the Coptics just from the descriptions in Portals 2. He knew I was using them as an enemy. My, my Fringe Worthy Meta campaign is in the late campaign. So, about 20, it's now almost 25 years after Fringe Discovery, is when my Meta campaign is based. So he had me do historical research, and he wanted—he asked one question of me. At what point did the Coptic Earth history divert? And I had to dig deep. I mean, Wikipedia and I got to be on pretty close terms three years ago. I figured it out. Basically, Mark Antony got to warn Caesar about his impending murder by Brutus on the Senate floor. Therefore, Caesar survived. Now, this would also mean that the Battle of Philippi and one other battle, which I've since forgotten, was never fought. And Mark Antony and Cleopatra were married, but Caesar was sort of the side thing. Well, Caesar and Cleopatra, Caesar being alive, you know, that was good for Caesar. And so Rome did not absorb Egypt they fully merged, hence, pretty much becoming that world's superpower. And that about that is what got them exploring the cock or the Taurus Mountains in Turkey, and that's where they found the fringe portal. And then from there started going through and seeing where all these other portals on their prime went. And then from there, they conquered their world. Now With, and and the timeline that he gives here, let's see. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Where do they say that? It doesn't say exactly when they discovered the portal.
1: Uh, yeah, yes, sir. Kind of did under church expansion on page twenty-five. It says by 27.7 e- C.E. Edict of Milan, and the emperor announced. That's when the Romans became Christian. And then this says, while the Romans are now Coptic Christians, the Coptic Church is both highly visible, they knew of the portal station at the edge of Mount Ararat. so, so somewhere
3: sometime sometime after two seventy seven c e
1: yeah, okay, or maybe bye. a little bit before or maybe okay. a little bit before you so know sometime
3: be- okay, sometime in the third century c e yeah,, is when they found yeah. that portal in Turkey, all right, well. After that, you know, and then it states here that they conquer, you know, they conquered their world, and scientific progress was kept to a select
1: few, namely the church and the emperor. Ah, uh, so the church now, has I've a heard warehouse heard. church has a warehouse 13, then, doesn't it?
3: <laughs> oh God. Oh, wait a minute. There was in Italy. There is a place that back in the Roman Empire and later, and I'm blanking. I want to say it was Morena, Moreno, Marino. It was an like an island where all of their science and tech was held because I had to do research for it a couple years ago, and we used it in the early days of my my Saturday Coptic's campaign. But there is an island in real life near Italy where it's like a vault of all of the the science of technology that is probably where all of that stuff, you know, the steam tech and all that, all the designs for that were kept because we all know and John and I've already, you know, we we know this already that in real life the Roman Empire they had the plans for a steam engine. It's just the empire falling apart yeah. uh, you know, yeah. kind of. I mean, they, on them putting yeah. it all
1: together. Hero of Alexandria had devised a a, a well a uh, um, uh, I forgot what the, the term for it, but it basically was a, a, a sealed cylinder with the uh, pipets and, and and so it would spin around. But they are they already knew about hydraulics, and they knew about using water to do things. Um, uh, uh, it was either a hero or one, or one of the other ones who basically built, built automatons. And one guy built a play, a, a completely, completely run by uh, gears and cables. He built a play that would play, you know, they would run and and go through a whole bunch of various things with little uh, uh, automatons, you know, it's more like a shadow shadow play, yeah, so yeah, the Romans had actually access to a lot of tech, it just all got lost, um, when, you know, when, when they basically, well, when the Western Empire fell, a good portion got lost, and the Eastern Empire just basically wasn't interested anymore.
4: (laughs) Well, you know what, but but you know what. Not only that, but but you also got to remember, there's been a lot of times in history where uh, someone has discovered some tech that could be used uh, for something really cool or something that we use today, Um, but the what they call the leap of logic never happened. They never made the connection of to use this for that, Uh, which a lot of times, uh, for example, when 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 we play role playing games. you know, if you're playing in a medieval setting and you're like, well, they have, you know, I we're gonna go over to the Orient, unless this is before you're playing in a campaign that that takes place before guns, or for whatever reason, you're in an alternate where it's you know like the 1500s and they still don't have guns, or w- for whatever reason, um, and you're like, well, my character, I'm, you know, I'm gonna make a gun out of this because I know that I could take this gunpowder that they have, you know, in the East, and uh and, and make a gun out of it. it's like, yeah, but. You know, your character doesn't know to make that leap of logic to to to, right. to connect those two things, uh, and okay. sometimes, but and sometimes there's also that technology might exist, right? And it's like, hey, we could do something really cool with this, but we don't have this other technology that makes it possible. Um, now, now, for example, for the steam engine, I, I can't remember to what material level they had, but maybe they didn't have material strong enough. Maybe they maybe they tried to make a steam engine uh, on a higher level. And the thing blew up, and then nobody tried again because they, they used the wrong kind of metal, or they used you know they used some something wrong, and it did something really bad. And then uh, you know the politic or the thinking of the time was, oh uh, yeah, that's not gonna, ever going to work. And then nobody ever did it again.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, I guess that they actually there was the uh, various uh, ways of opening up uh, doors using water pressure. So they knew about water pressure. They knew about this. It just never put them together. Well, remember. But
3: the Romans had aqueducts that the water, it, the, you know, the, the, wa- the above head waterways. That water was always moving. So they already had a good grasp on how to keep water moving just with these aqueducts.
4: I was going to say, there's one more, one more piece to that though. Yeah, they had that and they could do that. But at what cost? I mean, what did it take to, to build something like that? You get, you get your, uh, you know, your, your uh, diminishing of returns. So, yeah, they could do that, but I mean, what level of effort was that to 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 do something like that? Was it worth it? Was the juice worth the squeeze?
1: yeah, I mean, every one of those aqueducts, and when they went through um they were tall enough for a small child to fit in for a reason they needed small children to go in the area so often to clean them up
2: Well, we know that you know there was an office uh, of Technology that the church and that they didn't like to put technology out. So they were very conservative, unless something was really obviously a benefit. Uh, They didn't pursue it, and they basically just uh, sandbagged, stonewalled, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, most technology. And that's the way they looked at stuff. So I don't see them running into a world that they discovered some great weapon and embracing it. Uh, Instead, they did something that was actually pretty smart, which was they said, okay, this is the technology we're comfortable with. Let's make a lot of them. And they did.
1: Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the timeline. It does mention in 1100, 1100 CE, they developed the scientific method. Mm-hmm. That's way long before we did.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. We well, on the, if you go to the <laughs> next page, they had their industrial revolution 500 years before Earth Prime.
1: Yeah. But that was under the Caesars. I mentioned that that's probably one of the reasons, right there. It, it was. I think it didn't. It, the church didn't really come to its own until somewhat later, from the looks of it. Uh, yeah. So to say, yeah, they early, basically they have an early discovery of printing press. They have printing presses, but then again, they're probably the Chinese style, which were which had been around for a while.
3: One of the fringe portals was supposed to go to China, so yeah, that's probably how they got it.
1: Yeah. And they have steam and gunpowder uh, literally a century before it actually, uh, gunpowder a century before it was available in our world. <laughs> you know, we didn't have gunpowder weapons until like about the 1100s. They have them around 500.
3: And steam, the first steam, en- the first working steam engine was what, 1750 mm-hmm. something? James Watt? Yeah.
4: Yeah. And, all right, so here we go. We'll go back to the to the to the other technology manufacturing. All right. So because I work in you know I work in an industry where we actually develop technology. So John, you said like five hundred they had uh they had guns, right?
1: We had yeah. gunpowder, which probably they the had C. guns yeah. with with you know G O N N E's. And you who know, they, and who's this? Who has this? The Chinese, right? and the and 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 the coptics at least,
4: okay, at least the okay. roman empire does so why so why don't they all have guns well you have a manufacturing issue here who's making the barrels and how are they making them do they have the infrastructure to actually build barrels on a, on a massive scale is it going to be cheap enough or is it cheaper to arm 100 guys with arrows you know it's like it really boils down. I mean, everything. I hate to say it, but everything in, in history boils down to money, economics. You know, yeah. uh, you have yeah. your 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 cost and and benefit. Your cost. You have to do a cost benefit analysis. You know, can is it cheaper to is it cheaper to have archers or gunmen? It's like, well, at this stage in the game, it's cheaper to have many more archers because those guns are super expensive to make. I mean, like you have to have these the people who make them. What do you got? Like five guys who know how to make this. You know what I mean? How many can they make at a time, and what is their what is their facility like that makes these? And then when you get into like you know you start getting up into the, to the Middle Ages where guns take over from arrows uh, because you you start building that infrastructure, slowly building infrastructure where you know it becomes it becomes cheap enough to make guns, and then you don't have to have guys that have been training all their lives how to use arrows. I can train a whole squad of people in an afternoon how to use a gun fairly well. Um, well but yeah, the Chinese. It, it, it's, the Chinese and both the
1: Chinese and the Koreans both had their fire arrows, which were basically we would consider like big skyrockets. Only they were they were like uh, lances with uh, rockets on them to carry them off and into the enemy. And they yeah. would fire them off like like a, like uh, you, you see, you probably saw that in the MythBusters with the with yeah. the, the wacha. Yeah. You, know, you know, Imagine two, having a hundred of those on the field.
4: Yeah, but two two big <laughs> problems with that. A, they're dangerous as heck, you know, because what's fuse technology like back then? You know, it's like you're probably blowing mm-hmm. up half of your guys—not <laughs> half of them, but but there's probably a, a good incidence of blowing up your own guys trying to launch these things. And secondly, you know, they shoot Amy. off and like like where do they go? Who knows?
1: You know yeah. what I mean? It Amy, means a problem. But there's also uh, the, the very Chinese also did the other thing too, which is they put small bombs in the end of, of arrows. Yeah. And fart them off. That's actually, you're yeah. dropping a grenade pinpoint someplace in, in someone's position at that point.
4: Right, right. But it always boils down to it's mm-hmm. like if it didn't yeah. take off and like everybody wasn't using it or it didn't take over in technology, if you look hard enough, you'll find the reasons why they're there. There's a reason why that stuff didn't take off. You know, I don't, oh, I don't yeah. know what I, it is, but you know, there, there's, it's always going to, you're always going to, if you dig deep enough, you're always going to go, oh, that's why that never took off.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at this cuz they actually have decent rifles. You have to be able to either cast rifles or you yep. have to be able to bore the barrels. Yeah. At this point in time, they may have steel, but it's forged steel,
4: which means right. you literally have to pound it out and roll the barrel. That will right. seal nice and tight. And how long <laughs> is that going to take and how much is that going to cost if you can, you know, if you do have somebody who can pull it off? And make it right. work. Yeah. yeah, right, exactly. So, that, I you'll mean, have that's just, can, You'll have
1: cannon. You'll replace the ballistas and then the catapults which with is, cannon.
4: because Which, which can John, do. that is why cannon were around a lot longer than firearms, because cannons yep. are actually easier to make.
2: Yeah. And they're more effective.
4: And they're, and they're very effective.
2: I mean, well, yeah, look at, look at when uh, Sultan
3: Mehmet II attacked Constantinople in 1452, 1453. What took down that massive wall that protected Constantinople? What was it, a two meter wide can- barrel cannon?
1: <laughs> no, it, it was a meter wide, but still, that's still big enough. It fired stone balls, and the cannon was about the length of two school buses. Yeah. <laughs> at least one school bus, one school bus. It's huge. It's made out of brass, and they basically were field emplacements, you know. Where you put them is where you're going to shoot. Oh,
3: yeah, exactly. There was no... there. This was no mobile artillery here. Um, but still, yeah, cannon... Yeah, easier to make. Did a lot more damage. Yeah, Blix's thing about making the firearms, even just a, a rifle barrel, yeah, that would have taken a long time and just... The Romans would have looked and said, okay, we have gunpowder at the most. We might be able to make a grenade or two. Those are easy, but...
4: Oh, yeah. Grenades. Fire dude, grenades have been around forever. Av- grenades have been yeah. around a long time. matter of fact, the word the- grenade means pomegranate. It comes from the, the – I forget which word for, for pomegranate.
1: Yeah, a Spanish word. Uh, and, yeah. and what do you think the, the term grenadier comes from?
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they discovered gunpowder in 550. And then they, the scientific method under the eyes of the church – that's another 550 years before they figured it out. They may have had gunpowder, but they didn't figure out how to make it into guns until so, after 1100.
4: So how do we bring this back around to the Coptics? Yeah. I mean, well, they I think they
1: actually have a lot more experience fighting with lower-tech weapons, which, if you think about it, that's perfect for the fringe paths. I mean, let's be honest... Uh, we had to build a special law, or actually, not even a law. I wouldn't even say a law these days. You, you got to spe- build a special weapon, like a, uh, um, a any tank weapon that will f- f- lo- will fire and detonate on the fringe paths. Because the current ones all use el- electricity for all yeah. of those functions. Right. They can build a cannon with a with a hollow sh- cast iron shell and a fuse. That works just fine. <laughs>
2: since they are lower tech and they're used to fighting with lower tech that makes them better trainers of new recruits. Sure. Because most of those new recruits are going to be at an even lower tech level. Yeah. You bring your modern, you know, trainers, you know, from like let's say the United States, you know, who want to teach these guys how to use M16s and all these other things. Most of your recruits that you're going to get aren't going to be able to handle that. And so they're going to be like scratching their heads saying, well, I don't know what to teach them now. Right. But you bring in your people from uh, uh, Pax Romana and say, let's do a shield wall. All right, they can do that.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and these guys, because they are lower tech, actually are more capable of of training new recruits than people who are used to coming out of a technological culture.
4: Oh, and you know what? I just thought of something else. Okay, so so we talk about you know one of the things that an army really needs to 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 be successful is supply lines. So one of the things that the Coptics are going to have on us only because um, you know they they still i I was looking at the picture and I'm still seeing a guy with a sword. Um, they still harken back to. They probably still train with swords, um, and if you think about it. That is a great weapon to be very good with on the French path because what happens when you run out of bullets? You know, if you can draw your sword and still be very competent in combat, you're probably going to have an edge over a lot of the deck crew. You know, because yeah. your deck crew generally not trained with swords. You're going to have a few guys, you know, here and there who can fight with knives or swords or martial arts or whatever. But like... Roman
1: legionnaires,
4: yeah. Yeah, yeah. But if... um. You know, if, if you're talking about, you know, a, a group of people who regularly train their people on how to use swords and um, you know, and, and basic weapons, you know, so they can they can still use firearms, but you know, they've also got that that melee combat that they're trained in. That might give them a decisive edge in a lot of conflicts. That might actually send, you know, I debt back to Okay, we need to rethink how we train our people. You know, we we need to make sure everybody knows how to fight with a melee weapon and carries yeah. uh, one.
1: And they may use some of the old tactics, which is, you know, they, they use bayonets on their weapons. But these are yeah. the bayonets they used back in um, Napoleonic times. You're talking,
4: you know, you're talking things that they're basically are mini- miniature swords, right? You know, you know, and, or, you know or even and, spend you, more time training how to fight with their rifle. I mean, because a rifle, you could, I mean, you can do some damage with the butt of a rifle. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, And I know the picture shows a guy with, but looks like an AK-47. I don't know if they have that or if they have something not as high level because uh, then they show later on page 27 something that's, I would say, more more along the line of something from the 1930s. Um, uh, it's bolt action and it has a magazine on top, which is okay. Blocks your line of sight, but uh, yeah. And, it's, and Black powder. Oh, my God. See, that's the problem with... with they're using black powder weapons, uh you gotta clean those things like every other shot. Otherwise they're going to, you know, fall and, and jam on you. So they probably have a lot better discipline, weapon discipline than than our troops do, I hate to say. <laughs> you know. After after every third shot you run a bore brush down to clean all the soot out. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, it said that the Coptics stuck with revolvers and revolving rifles with larger rounds, which kind of solves your problem, John, because they basically didn't fire continuously out of the same barrel.
1: I'm looking at the picture on page 27.
2: I'm looking on the picture on uh, of the script on page 29.
1: Ah, so we have let's see page 27, page 29. 29C, okay. Oh. Oh look, they have uh, RPGs. <laughs> hey, RPGs are easy to make. Yeah. Comparative. Well, no, comparatively, I mean, you still have to have a certain amount of knowledge, but still, they're easy to make. And I bet theirs are com- uh, concussion detonated rather than electr- electronically detonated.
4: So let me let me ask you guys this. So these vehicles that I see here, that they're driving, like this one uh, on on page twenty nine C. Uh, with the bar armor on it.
2: That looks like an anti-personnel thing.
4: That is a that is a relatively new invention, the bar armor, I believe. Uh, it's to protect against RPGs. Oh, okay. I, I think it, yeah. I think, I, I, now don't quote me because I could be wrong, but I think it's a relatively new invention that the, the army started using, or the military, the, the government, started using I in the last, I don't know how long but, uh, so that's interesting. Maybe they stole that vehicle.
1: <laughs> what does what the font of all knowledge say? World war two. Is it? Okay. So it
4: is old. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough.
1: Basically when we came up with the, the idea of, of, of the Panzerfaust, which is basically the predecessor to the RPG.
4: <laughs> I've only seen it on modern vehicles. That's, that's the reason I brought it up. Cause yeah. we have, we have like Buffaloes and, and Huskies that get bar armor. Um, uh, but I, I've, I
1: it it, sh- it shreds around. Basically, it shreds around. So it basically, if it does go off, it doesn't go off properly.
4: Well, well, not only that, the second thing it does, from what I've been told, is it sets it off just a few inches from the actual surface, which makes a huge difference. Um, mm-hmm. you, you don't want your but- shaped round actually striking this, the the armor itself. So if it hits the bar armor and goes off, it uh, reduces the impact uh, damage. Yeah,
1: I mean, also, like I said, because they're close enough together that I would say it would take any any tanker round and shred it, break it up, and yeah, at that point you're not going to get your shape round. So it does two things. Yeah. Uh, but you know, of course, like most armor, it's a probably it's ablative.
4: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, once it gets destroyed, so oh, I didn't realize it was that old. I'll be damned. And that's a pirate. And that's
1: a pirate vehicle. So yeah, they're they're making use of pirates. Man, that must seem must be a bear to operate because I can imagine with the Coptic vehicles they have they're steam powered. Well, you know what? I bet they run off of whatever anything they can either either gasify or just throw under throw under the boiler and burn. Either way, they their supply chain isn't as bad as ours. Which, which, unless 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 we're using um, Victorian equipment, our supply chain requires at least something we can run in through our engine. After, of course, tuning it to to compress, you know, burn burners diesel.
3: Yeah. Right. Oh, speaking of pirates,
0: <laughs> um,
3: the did use fringe pirates basically probably paid them in gold and said, Yeah, go do this over here or that over there. Ah, okay. It is noted in Portal Portals 4. Negative 124 Prime, the Metro Ambush World, where fringe pirates came in and shot up that world's Pittsburgh International Airport. Those fringe pirates were paid by the Coptics to do so. So yeah, the Coptics were outsourcing, as it were. I read that and because negative one twenty four prime was the source of a previous Friday night campaign, I'm like, oh, those sons of guns, oh man. I was like, you know, that was another little thing that Rich threw in there. I'm like, oh, that's just evil. Um oh. so yeah, the Coptics would have basically they would have been looking for allies to help them out because there were just sometimes it's like, okay. We can get more flies with honey than with vinegar. We pay people Ah. because they're going to run out. They're going to be out on the fringe paths and they're going to run across cells of fringe pirates. And they'll just figure, okay, yeah, these guys, they're not a threat, but it looks like they can take care of themselves. We just pay them enough gold. They're mercenaries. Oh, they'll do our job
1: yeah so, they're, they're Janissaries, you know keeping with yeah. the cut with the Byzantine field they're genissaries I mean that's something the Romans always did, which you know you know turn your turn your enemies into your friends by giving them enough gold or at least the promise of gold
3: or what what's the phrase in age of Ultron <laughs> make your friends rich and your enemies rich and find out which is which yeah uh, yeah <laughs> but yeah, I'm seeing that they would have they wouldn't have been just totally screw everybody, we're going to take over everything, because there are going to be times that you're going to want allies out in the field. You're not going to want to make every single person your enemy or your slave, because after a while, they will turn on you in one way or another. So they're going to want people out there who are moderately loyal to them, and a fringe pirate, if you flash enough gold, They'll be loyal to you as long as the gold keeps up. So, yeah, then when I found out that that the negative 124 Prime's Pittsburgh airport massacre was ultimately caused by the Coptics, yeah, I was like, okay, that makes sense. And as I said, I used that world for a superhero campaign because that was something that set off That planet finally gaining superheroes was, what do you mean, you know, hundreds of people were killed by, you know, armed terrorists that disappeared as quickly as they appeared, you know. Now, the Coptics caused it? Yeah, okay, makes sense. It was also saying here on page, well, it says 29B, under politics and fringe Pass. After the discovery of the fringe Pass, there was confusion, then harsh church mandates on what it was meant and what this meant as well as church control, the roads of God. The Chileans, whether they started the war or not, were played for monsters. Well, yeah, basically, it's like they're going to be seen. I mean, they could have played this for uh, with the masses as they're, they're demons from hell. They came through these portals from elsewhere, and the typical... Native of the world who was probably kept in the dark and very uneducated, they would have thought, oh, yeah, these guys are demons. And they would have just fired the religious, zealous fervor of their people to make them
2: want to go out and conquer. I don't think it has anything to do with how they would interpret it. They they knew what they were told and it was to the benefit of the church hierarchy to say that the uh, ASA were demons because then they said, we need to go out and cleanse God's pathways of these demons. And everyone says, yeah, okay, you, you're, you're the you're the voice of God. We believe you. Let's go do that.
3: Well, yeah, and then even those who were not, as Rich put them, the blessed of Ra, i.e. that world's fringe worthy, you're still going to have an incredible war effort at home. Wives will sit there and gladly bear children, and then they just walk, you know, while they're carrying the kids, they'll just walk them through the portal. They probably would have found that out. The church probably would have figured that out too. Because I think that the church would not have been that stupid to have, well, because they had women to entertain the royalty, so that means, let's say a woman was pregnant, and then they found out later that this kid was—they would have found the whole thing about if you have—if you're a pregnant woman, the fetus automatically becomes fringeworthy when that pregnant woman goes to the portal. So there would be women proud, you know, pr- fringeworthy women proud to carry children to become the new blessed of Ra to go out and cleanse God's pathways, you know. The the war effort would have been ridiculous on Coptic Prime. As far as, you know, the Chileans being painted as monsters, whipping the populace up, you know, into a religious fervor, and just everybody behind this. Because they mentioned later on about IDET pot you know, a military solution. And let me find the page here. Where it says ending the conflict. Several ways it could end the war with the Coptics, direct combat to their portal and locking the Prime. Okay. Yeah, constant monitoring, a lot of blood spilled. Faster solution would be to stage the attacks on Coptic Prime with enough explosives to shock them into submission or simply blow off their prime platform before using the explosive tanker trucks to disrupt the portals at the inside. Wait a minute, blow off their prime platform. I'm that there I'm confused.
2: Okay, um, what he's, what Richard said was that if you take a tanker truck full of explosives and set it off in the middle of the platform, it basically causes all the portals to shut down for a while while the platform repairs itself.
3: Oh, okay, all right. One of the doomsday trucks would be enough to clear a prime platform. They would blow a hole in the platform and shut down the... Okay, and it would take a year. Second would be a negotiated peace with the church, virtually impossible... Comes the thought first. If the Royals fought against the Church and took back the portals at, well, negative 140 for out one, and there was a negotiated peace that could give IDET a chance to civilize the Coptics. The Coptics could also sue for priestly plans to break this in the future. Yeah. And let's see, the war may continue for an extended time the ter- until the Termella are able to rotate their prime to an alternate status. From there, their access would be easier to control. However, this would stake a manned force as a constant presence on that platform or actually on the Coptic world. IDA would create firebases to protect the region of the single gate. The fact that Coptics do not have flight would make firebases viable, but they would be vulnerable to terrorism. That that would be getting the Termellin involved in... Because the Termellin are going to be, you know, they've got a higher purpose. Local politics... I don't see the Termellin engineers like Schmert really giving
2: a rat's you-know-what about it. I don't see them getting involved in this either.
3: Yeah, it just... uh, I It would have to take something really, really important for Schmert to realize and go, yeah, these guys are a problem if they're over this many nodes. Of course, in Portals 4, they tell exactly how many platforms are out there, so if the Coptics have control of, oh, let's see, negative 140, I said to, like, maybe negative negative nine. 50 nodes, there are millions upon millions of nodes, 50 nodes to to the Termellan or nothing. They'd be like, oh, that's cute. They control 50, pat them on the head and walk away. Um, yeah, as far as ending the conflict, I bet they could go in militarily and just, but then that would be a force invasion and technically that would make them no better than the Chileans. Because you know the Chileans were not going in to make buddies. They were looking for a new place to loot. Because it says even in Fringeworthy D twenty that the Chileans, oh yeah, yeah, they're trying to, you know, bring in new artifacts and they're being constantly discovered that they're forgeries. So the Chileans, you know, they're they're try- they've tried this method, they keep getting screwed over. They're gonna be looking for new worlds, and they're like, oh look, this whole world with this hair and yeah, so if Ida were to go in and militarily try to shut down Coptic Prime, I don't see Ida doing that because they would think we're no better than the Chileans because I'm sure the Chileans wanted to do the same thing, wanted to try to get in and conquer. And just, eh.
2: Yeah, and the Coptics are no fools. They're going to have their, their, their home platform really well defended. Oh, yeah, negative
3: 140 primes platform. As soon as you walk through that 50-foot portal off that fringe path leading from the alt platform, oh, no, 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 no. It's your neck high in in lower wreaths and pyramid, you know, in bla- you know, logos all over the place. All eight of those portals are going to be covered. And it's not going to be like Earth Primes where you've got, that dual presence of both Unita and the Chilean ASA alliance, it's all, that entire portal is going to be, you're going to be just neck high in, you know, trouble. So I don't see IDET going in there with supply lines that far extended. Yeah, we're going to do an extended military campaign here. No. I'm not feeling that. So yeah, they would hold for a diplomatic solution in some way, just because a military operation would be too costly in both logistics and lives. And the Termelin aren't going to get involved because with how much the Coptics have control or at least access to, that's a pittance to what the Termellern have access to. Again, it'd be like, "Oh, isn't that cute?" You have access to fifty nodes out of a Googleplex of them, which is a million million. You know, uh, let's see what else here. Uh, and they on page thirty here they actually tell where the various portals go, and and Rich changes because we have one. Five and sevens portals are all closed down due to high pressure, which on a world high pressure would mean very deep ocean. Now last I remember underwater portals a warp gets shunted to the nearest open area.
1: Yeah, that's right.
3: So well we, we the ones that we have here, Catalia Valley, staging area and food storage, great walls surround it a desert hold, four fortress towers and a large training area, a staging ground on the steps of Rus, in other words, so they have a a portal in Russia, Petra Valley, great stonework temple, the core of the faith and a full ring station, and then the great cathedral in central Italy, estates around home of the royal families. So, yeah, I'm not sure where Catalia Valley is, the desert hold could be anywhere. I would assume, because Rich and I discussed a few years ago that the other four portals were in North and South America.
1: Catalia Valley is by uh, Mount Ararat.
3: Okay, so that's, that's the first one they found. The Desert yeah. Hole, that could be in North America, probably somewhere in the American Southwest.
2: I'd States say for, were,
1: for... I'm just saying, okay. the ones that say high pressure, just treat them as locked, and they haven't figured out how to unlock them yet.
2: Okay. Well, there's another answer that's even simpler. Just assume it's an underwater cavern at great depth. Yeah. Oh.
1: So there's no water, but there's pressure from all the yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, the water pressure just from the fact it's under it's underground and it's water is basically pressurizing the, the the cavern. Yeah, that would do it.
3: Okay. So I'm in the Petra Valley. I'm not sure where that is. But yeah, the Great Cathedral. That's Rome. That's basically central Italy. That's Rome. Essentially.
1: Uh, Petra Valley, it's where they shot Indiana Jones and the and the uh, and the um, uh, Holy Grail. Is that big carved thing carved into the side of the hill? The church carved into, oh, okay. the, into the hill. Okay, all
3: right, all right. So in the mm-hmm. Middle East, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in Jordan. Okay, so we got Italy, the Middle East, Russia, Turkey, the desert. Hold, we can say North America, and then the other three could be near the Americas. As I said, Rich and I discussed it and we said that the other four, well, they said the four portals, well, we said that there was one, they found the one in Turkey. Then the other three are, were Ethiopia, Germany, and China. Hmm, we have a conflict here. Ethiopia, okay, that could be the, uh, that could be the desert hold. That could be the Ethiopian portal. Rus? The steps of Rus? Yeah, that's Russia. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, Mongolia is near
2: Russia. Last I checked, my... I oh, mean, my, yeah.
4: I, yeah. It kind of butts right up against it.
2: Yeah. It's, it's between... Mongolia is between Russia and China.
4: Yeah, yeah can you so, imagine that, having, having Russia to your north and China to your south?
2: Well, the Mongolian Empire pretty much kicked butt. So they were okay with that.
1: That,
4: That's why they were so tough. Yeah.
1: And there's no Rus, because the Rus were basically descendants of Vikings who got as far as, well, Moscow. I don't know if there's any Rus. There's there's going to be whoever was there. Well, I would
3: say then that staging ground, vehicles, troops, and leadership on the steps of Rus, we can say that that is the quote-unquote Chinese portal. The Chinese and the Mongolians are pretty similar looking, so we could say that the staging ground on the steps of that could be the "quote unquote" Chinese portal that Rich mentioned in Portals Two. So we got China, Turkey, the Desert Hold. Um, that's Ethiopia. Yeah, the Sea, the Germany, the Huns so to speak. Yeah, see, we we have a conflict here. We have a... Yeah, the other three portals, as I said, they could be in the Americas because what they didn't, what they wouldn't have uh, used the portals to conquer, they just would have... Because Roman Egypt, they did have a lot of sea travel. They would have just explored the rest of their world over the course of, you know, however many centuries until modern day. Well, Coptic legions created as well in Germania, Londinium, Maccabee, Africanus, and more. That was 130 CE. So they were already exploring the world. 225, North America discovered. Okay, got it. So yeah, they, they were exploring their world via the fringe paths or via the fringe portals and also traveling throughout their world. So yeah, I see the Coptic prime as being pretty much run by the Coptics any and and the Romans were great for absorbing cultures, so yeah, if there were American Indians on, they would have gotten absorbed into the into the Coptic empire as well.
4: they would have had a much I think they would have had a much different approach than the than the Spanish, the French, and the english well actually the French the French were more. Oh no! The French the, got
3: along. No, no, the yeah. French got along with the Indians fine. As a matter of fact, my co-host on my show, uh, Jennifer Walks with Silent Feet Matthews, we're creating a new game setting that she's had in her head for twenty years, and it's pretty much a fantasy version of southeastern Michigan in the early seventeen hundreds. Right. So you've heard yeah, of first. We already, we already determined that the French and the Indians got along relatively well. It was the British that didn't get along with the
4: Indians. Well, you know what a big part of the reason why the French got along with the Indians so well is, right? Mm. It, It has to do with the fact that the French didn't come over in uh, with families and weren't setting up shop. They didn't. They weren't trying to claim land and 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 keep that land and turn it into farms and houses and cities.
3: Yeah, they were all fur trappers and everything. Right,
4: right. The French came over here to work and then leave, and the and the Native Americans were fine with that. The French didn't have anything to fight with them over because they weren't taking their land. Um, that, that's why the French weren't a big deal.
1: Yeah, and the reason and it wasn't the British per se, it was the British colonists that were causing all the oh, problems. Oh, yeah, yeah, abs- yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who do you think started the, the French and Indian War? The colonists. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. Okay, let's
3: see. What else right. do we have here about... Well, we can break down the Coptic... We can do this as we've done it before. The... One-page breakdown that we have done with so many other races in the Fringeworthy canon. And we have two pages to choose from. We got the one in Portals 2 and then the one in Portals 4, which I would assume Rich just sort of carried over the information. Otherwise, we're going to have it. Well, yeah, I already see one. Well, no, we pretty much decided negative 140 prime. Pretty much their standard human form. Two arms, two legs, primate physiology, 189-day gestation. Oh, wow, they really differed it. Uh, Survival rate in Portals 2, he said 37%,
2: 80% in Portals 4. Which is really, truly excellent. What? 80% survival rate on uh, children, on births.
4: That's, yeah, that's fantastic for that. Time yeah.
2: I mean, today, you know, in our modern technological society, we have like a 98%. Okay. And that's, of course, in the first world. You right. start, you go outside of the first world, which is pretty much what they are. They're like second, third world. And it's way down there around 50, 60%. So at 80%, these guys are doing something right. Yeah.
4: Either or uh, their children are just hardy as hell.
2: Yeah. Even so, you still got to survive it. <laughs> Well, let's see. Um, you yeah, know, we're, we're talking about some majorly. Uh, all the women must be really wide-hipped, is all I gotta say. <laughs>
4: yeah. Uh, hey, hey, Bruce. They didn't say how many women survived childbirth.
2: There's ways of, of messing with these numbers. Okay, you could say that if there's any anything ever wrong with one of the pregnancies, they immediately aborted it. I don't know how they felt. You know the. Uh, about that sort of thing. I mean, the Catholic Church doesn't like that at all, but the Coptics, they might be like, well, you know, if you're not a proper, you know, if you're having any problem with your gestation, you're not a proper son of God, and we're just going to get you out of there. So the ones that actually do get born would probably have a much higher percentage chance of success hmm. if the only ones that actually were doing really well were the ones that got born.
1: Well, is this number just for the Coptics or is it for the entire planet? Or is this an average?
2: I'm sure it's an average of the the Coptic Prime.
1: Yeah, so the Chin have a the Chin would have a different rate. And who else is in the in the playing fields again?
2: No, we're not talking of the Chin at all. Yeah, oh, we're not talking about South Africa either, and we're not talking about India. You know? Yeah. Though I think India is part of Coptic. Um, no, we're just talking about the Coptics themselves. So, yeah. right?
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: Okay. Let's right. see. Uh, senses, average human senses. Yeah. They're just human beings. They're just like us. It's just a different, hi- they just have a different history. Right. Uh, <laughs> allegiance,
3: morality, very low. Yeah. They're not all that keen with us because the Chileans came in and started trouble. Attitude, hostile. Well, that goes without saying. If they're shooting first and asking questions, maybe hostile all in caps pretty much says it all.
1: In red font.
3: Yeah, in red (laughs) font. You can't get much more blatant than that. Of course, I'm sure that they think they're being extremely moral. Oh, yeah. Well, by their moral, it's a matter... You know, truth is a point of view. Uh,
1: (laughs) And like us, they name their planet Dirt. Yes. (laughs) Welcome to the planet Dirt. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Now, they got... (laughs) <laughs> Languages, they have actually quite a few. You have Common and High Egyptian, High and Low Roman, Coptic and Coptic Church. Now, mm-hmm. let's see, we got got Egypt, Common Egyptian 50%, High Egyptian 10%, Low Roman, which we're going to assume would probably be Ancient Latin, The or what is it, John, that you called it? Vulgar Latin?
1: Well, the thing is, that would be true say, 200 years after or 300 years after, but after, what, what what year is it, 2018? At some point, their version of Latin is not going to sound like Latin. It's going to sound like Latin that's been, you know, mixed with Egyptian over 2,000 years. Well, yeah, it's It's going to... It's going to be a different language. It's
3: going to be a different language. Yeah, pretty much what I see, (sighs) the lingua franca of Coptic prime will be a a Latin Egyptian pidgin language.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And again that's PIDGIN people that's not well, actually
1: birth. well it wouldn't be pidgin anymore if it's by year 2018 when we run into them it's actually going to be just another language. I mean we what do you, what do you think English is? Yeah. English <laughs> right. is a yeah.
3: language we don't shake other language we don't borrow grammar <laughs> we take them in a bat we take languages in a back alley shake them down for loose grammar. <laughs> yeah.
4: No, it's English, also, so, English is a bastardization of German.
3: Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most of the body parts, mm-hmm. elbow is Ellenbogen. Yep. Eye uh, is Augen. Ear like, is Oren. I, I took three years of high school German. This is what I remember. But yeah, most of our body part names are from German.
1: I, I also love H.P. Uh, Piper's description of English. It's result, English is a result of Norman, Norman soldiers getting dates with sex and barmaids. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll buy that.
2: This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there,
1: so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next.
3: And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming it's for having fun.
0: Yo, brothers, this was the Tri-Tac Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and, sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tac Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers.